Hey everyone, this is James, and I want to tell you about an upcoming virtual coaching program called Accelerate. It's for high-achieving, success-minded people just like you who demand greatness of themselves and expect it of everyone around them. Accelerate will help you drastically improve communication in your business, reduce bottlenecks and busyness, help spark innovation and even creative thinking, and absolutely maximize team performance. Now, Accelerate is for business owners, executives, it's for up-and-coming leaders, anyone who is wanting to advance their leadership and to build their business capacity in 2021. The training starts in February and space is limited. Learn more at jamesmayhew.com. Now back to the podcast. I fill that gap for my clients that are growing quickly and they have people that have to take on leadership responsibilities that aren't ready for it. And it's a humble thing to admit that. It's a wonderfully vulnerable and humble thing to admit. But it's also a confident thing to know that I'm in over my head, I need help. Because not confident people, you know what they do? They say, I got this. And they try to fight through it. And they won't admit that they're in over their head. In business, you want to consistently attract incredible people, grow at an accelerated rate, and create a unique competitive advantage. The goal, it isn't to just be the best, but is to be the favorite, the favorite in the eyes, the mind, and the heart of your customer. To stay competitive in today's world, you want to build a business where people want to come to work and where they have a chance to be great at doing what they love the most. And you accomplish that by leading through values. Because when you lead through values, people excel, profits increase, and your brand becomes more human. Now make sure you download your free guide at leadthroughvalues.com. I'm James Mayhew, your Chief Culture Officer, and you're listening to Lead Through Values. Hey everybody, welcome back to Lead Through Values. This is James, and this is the final part of a five-part series, uh, kind of introducing what it means to lead through values, and the nuances uh, around culture. And one of the reasons that I wanted to dive into this series and, and like kind of start with this origin is, is just to create a baseline of understanding going forward. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of times when we're doing a podcast that we're gonna get into some nitty gritty stuff, and it's I think that's great, I love details. I also like big picture stuff, I, and I, I'm kind of have that brain that can move uh, between that 30,000 foot and boots on the ground view pretty quick. Uh, sometimes I realized that that in communication, I have <clears throat> maybe done that. I've moved either up or down in elevation. And so I just, I thought it was important that we start at the beginning. And one of the things that, that I think is important about today's episode, uh, it's the fifth of the, of the five parts here. Uh, you know, it goes along if you've been working with the guide where going to have some blanks to fill in there, some questions to, to ask yourself. These are self-reflection questions. I should just say it that way. But the, the purpose of this guide that I'm referring to, and you get that at leadthroughvalues.com, you heard that in the opening, is to help you also have that baseline, an understanding of what we're talking about when we're talking about culture and leadership and values and, and just how strategy and vision, all these things kind of start to come together. Uh, Got to throw brand in there too, because it was just a couple episodes ago that we're talking about the the complete fusion of brand and culture and how the two play a very synergistic role. 
And so today, this topic is uh, truth number five. Here it is. Culture has always been about performance. Now, the reason I say it that way is because that culture is misunderstood. And I run into this frequently, that culture uh, has been confused with perks and benefits and some of the more warm and fuzzy slash fluffy elements uh, that, that come to mind for some people. And so I, I want to be very, very clear. If I haven't been clear through the other episodes yet, that culture is about performance. In its simplest form, I define culture as how we want to get work done around here. And so as we dive in today, I want to talk about some of the cultural attributes that will influence a company's performance. Things like constant improvement. Are we committed to getting better daily, organizationally and individually? Are we working to help leaders improve? What are we doing to develop each other and sharpen each other? Are we going to embrace the culture of feedback. So constant improvement is a vital element of your culture. The next one is risk tolerance. If you're an e-com and you're trying to stand out, or maybe you're getting into a retail space, um, maybe you want to start a brewery or you own a brewery or a restaurant, your risk tolerance has to be a little bit higher because those are riskier ventures. And so culture is incredibly important around that, especially when there's a lot on the line. And when isn't there a lot on the line in business, right? It just always is. Now, another attribute of culture that influences performance is the idea of being opportunistic. Now, I didn't know this, but there are some people that really don't like the word opportunistic. They have a very negative uh, connotation attached to that could be from an experience that they had, and they see people as being opportunistic as vultures. I just wanted to throw that out there because what we're really talking about is creating opportunity for people within the organization to advance, to grow, to get better. It's, it's about opportunities to serve our clients differently in better ways, in bigger ways. You know, opportunities are either created or they're seized. And there's another element. Uh, opportunistic, uh, a lot of times I think is just seen as being able to seize an opportunity when it's presented. However, there's the other element of, of it, which is let's go and create it. What are the problems that are, that our customers are facing and let's figure out a solution for it. That is being opportunistic as well. Again, this is going to impact the performance, uh, of your, of your company. Now, another cultural attribute to influence a company's performance is going to be leadership development. What's the system to identify a leader and what is our process for taking them through the development? So when we put them into a role on an org chart in a leadership capacity, are they ready? If we have a culture of feedback, are they skilled at giving it and receiving it? Because they're going to need to know both. Uh, are they great at casting vision, setting expectations? How do they do with accountability? All of these things are skills that they need to develop because they're going to need to be teaching them. So we want to make sure that they at least have a core competency around those things. Too often, we put people who are great individual contributors into leadership roles. For example, the easy analogy here is 
we're going to put our top salesperson in as the sales manager or VP of sales or whatever title we want to put them in. And the, the problem with that is, is sometimes they kind of flake out because they're really great at sales, but they're not necessarily interested and or very good at leading a sales team. There is a huge difference there. This comes back to the previous episodes where we're talking about skills or abilities, talents, gifts, all those things, and the overlap with their passion and the organizational needs. So in that case I just gave you where we have our top salesperson and we're going to unplug them from that role, we're going to put them into the sales position because there's a, an organizational need. They have a proven track record of doing sales, but see the gap starting to, like those circles don't really overlap all that much. They more touch. And if they don't have a passion for it and, and that circle is kind of just on the edge touching and it's not really intersecting, that's the mistake that, that we make. And that's going to impact culture. That's going to have some significant ripple effects uh, from anything from uh, the ability to take care of customers, right? Because that's our top salesperson. Um, you could lose customers over it. Uh, but it also might have a ripple effect with if they're not good at developing other salespeople and they're still focusing on being that high level contributor, well, then now they're not, they're not teaching and training and imp imparting the knowledge that they have in sales to the other people. Again, impacts everything, but it doesn't just stop at the sales team. It starts to impact other areas of the business. It's so interconnected. Now, another cultural attribute that influences your company's performance is your hiring process and your hiring decisions. And believe me, in this podcast, we are going to talk at length about the importance of that. But when we do a, if we have a poor process for hiring, it's going to lead to poor decisions in hiring. And that is going to lead to a, a poor performance from, from a team standpoint and culture. It has massive ripple effects, including adding the element of busyness and, all sorts of like fires to put out. When you put the wrong person in a role, it can completely disrupt culture. Next, we're going to talk about how is information communicated in this business. And that's an attribute, as you well know, is huge, just like hiring. Uh, communication, we, we spend a lot of time talking about how to communicate better. But if we communicate well, that will definitely influence a company's performance. If we communicate poorly, it's going to influence a company's performance, right? On the negative side. And then finally, another attribute that I think we take for granted. Uh, I, I see this um, as taken for granted because we just expect it to happen and don't really create a process or a system for it to happen. And that is how tribal knowledge is shared. And it could be a lot of the unspoken things or things that a business takes for granted. Uh, an example could be... Uh, tribal knowledge on where we store information in our company. Uh, what is the training process? Like what, what is the stuff? Like if you're in an industry, let's say it's a, uh, a specialty software application and there's a ton of tribal knowledge that goes on about the history of how it evolved, what the former or the previous iterations of it were and if you have a salesperson that is trying to go out and sell that and, and it's maybe it's a call back to somebody who used to own your product, they want to know, like, what have you gotten better at? And so I think a good salesperson could answer some of those questions. However, if that tribal knowledge hasn't been passed on and there's a lack of training around that, there's going to be a low chance that the sales rep is going to be able to answer those questions in a way 
that would make the customer want to buy. How tribal knowledge is shared extends into uh, all facets of a business. Let's say you're expanding. Business is good and you're building a new building, a new facility. Tribal knowledge is going to impact decisions around that, or it should. Now, tribal knowledge is not always a favorable thing. Sometimes there, it's kind of like accidental culture, which we talked about in the first uh, part here. The first truth is what happens when you get an accidental culture. Well, tribal knowledge can also be accidental and accidentally bad. Uh, but in the idea of building a new facility, there are certain things that uh, the the people that have been there the longest have dreamed about and they've talked about and they've planned for someday we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And it's, it's uh, we're going to have the fitness room. We're going to have um, access to a restaurant or whatever it could be. <clears throat> That's tribal knowledge. That is stuff that, where does that show up in training? You know, that just needs to live. And so again, how we cast vision around it and how that is shared, it, it definitely impacts culture. All right, so let's let's just do a little thing here because I like to put things through the culture filter, if you will, <laughs> okay? Uh, we're gonna put this to the test. So we're gonna take each one of those attributes that I just listed above. We started with constant improvement and, and we're gonna put it through the how we want to get work done filter, okay? That's what culture is. So if, if we want to have a cultural attribute of constant improvement, it might sound like this. And all, by the way, all of these except one start with the word we, because it's about us collectively as a company, as a corporation, as a brand, uh, we are committed to this. So the first one was constant improvement. So we might write one that sounds like this. We are driven to constantly improve. That's simple. Rather than just saying, we're all about constant improvement here, when we create a value or an attribute, whatever you want to call it, okay? When you write a statement that says, we are driven to constantly improve, now we're going to go in and define, what does it look like? What does that mean? And it's one of those things where we could give ourselves feedback. We could evaluate ourselves and say, are we really... You know, we say we're driven to constantly improve, but we haven't updated our technology for six years. And I'm so frustrated that our phones continue to drop calls. Or I'm so frustrated that it takes so long for us to get a package out the door. Why is it, why can't, why is it that our, our competitors can get the package out the door same day and we say we can't? Examples of constant improvement. The next one was risk tolerance. And so I wrote it this way, and I'm going to give you two versions, right? The first way I wrote it was, we view risk as a necessary element for growth. So if you're in the technology space, software, robotics, whatever it might be, uh, we view risk as a necessary element for our growth. Or we could write it this way. We are serious about taking risk out of your future. The third one was opportunistic. So I spent a lot of time kind of unpacking that one. And here's how I wrote it. Our entrepreneurial spirit creates unlimited opportunities for our people. So maybe if you are a business that prides yourself in having an entrepreneurial spirit, but that one little element of accidental culture that creeps in, remember we talked about that in a previous episode when we said, we've always done it that way. I mean, it's a, it's a sneaky thing that comes in. We don't really realize it's happening but the culture shift could be 
we're not really entrepreneurially minded anymore. We've fallen more into, you know, status quo kind of thing or our culture has shifted. So if that was a value and you don't want to lose it and you want to build and scale around being entrepreneurial, you have to make sure that you speak that in to the way you want to do business. And then you're creating systems that, that foster that, that encourage that, that, that allow that to happen, that permit it to happen. You know, when I read these the first time, I think I left out the line solutions and that's the next one. So cultural attribute to influence a company's performance would be, you know, we're solutions minded. Uh, Here's how I wrote that. We think with the end in mind, we're always working to solve challenging problems. You could even add for our customers or uh, the world's most challenging problems, depending on what your vision is like that. That's pretty close to a vision statement, but this is a way to add solutions into the filter. Like this is our culture is based around being solutions based. We think with the end in mind, we start with the end in the mind, we work backwards and this begins to guide and dictate how you build a team, how you run your projects. The next one was around leadership development. And so the simple way I wrote that one was we believe in developing leaders from within. There's a lot of businesses out there that, that uh, have that. I have a number of clients that have this mindset, that they have found that the best way to get a person into a leadership role is that we've put them through, like they, they know us, they know our culture, they understand how we work, and they want to promote them from within. It's great, except there are times when your business can grow so fast that you're forced to put people into leadership roles that aren't ready, and now you have a problem. That's where guys like me come in. <laughs> you know, this is where it's important to have somebody like a coach come in and provide that gap. I fill that gap for my clients that are growing quickly and they have people that have to take on leadership responsibilities that aren't ready for it. And it's a humble thing to admit that. It's a wonderfully vulnerable and humble thing to admit. But it's also a confident thing to know that I'm in over my head. I need help because not confident people, you know what they do? They say, I got this. And they try to fight through it and they won't admit that they're in over their head. Now, the next one is hiring processes and hiring decisions. I wrote it this way, and this comes back to core value sounding because we're going to talk about not compromising here. We will never compromise our hiring process as it's an integral strategy for our growth. If you're in a leadership role, hiring is your number one, your number one responsibility. Let's talk about how information is communicated. The filter for the way I wrote this one, it says, we believe in sharing vital company information to everyone. You don't have to share everything, but, okay, there are certain things that you don't have to share when we're talking financials. To be transparent doesn't mean you're going to show what everybody makes. That would be a bad decision in most cases anyway. It doesn't mean that we're going to show this is how much the owner made, It means this is how much revenue we had. These were our expenses, our costs. This was the cost of doing business. These are the, this is the gross profit from that. We take this out. Anyway, we get down into the, we get down into here's what's, here's what's left. We're either doing well or we're not doing well. And here's a cool thing. The more engaged that your workforce is, the more information and communication, especially transparent communication they need. Don't miss that. The more engaged your workforce is, the more information they need. It doesn't mean 
again, that you're going to pull it back and reveal what I would consider private information. And everybody's tolerance for that is a little different. But what it means is that we're going to be transparent about where we're at. And we can look at trend lines. We can look at projections. We can see this is where, we're, where we want to be. And here's where we're at. Awesome. Let's celebrate. This is why we're here. And, and, and so here's what we're going to do to celebrate. Or it is, guys, here's where we're at. And um, we're 17% below. And that's massive. That means over the next three months to close out the year, we're going to have to do this, this, and this. And what will happen is instead of people being upset by that and scared by it, they rally. In a thriving culture, they will rally. They will rally behind that goal and they will crush it. Or if they don't crush it, they're going to give it their best shot. Now, the last one was, how is tribal knowledge shared in, in our culture? So I wrote it this way. I just It's simple. We believe in the power of mentoring and passing on tribal knowledge. So just by saying, as part of our culture, we believe in the power of mentoring. Mentoring is passing on tribal knowledge. Mentoring is identifying and developing leaders. It's also one of those times when we say in the power of mentoring and passing on tribal knowledge, we may learn that we have a person in the wrong spot in our company. And instead of cutting them and and firing them, we think back to the diagram of passion, abilities, and organizational needs. And we go, maybe we need to move the here. Would you be interested in doing this? It sounds like this might be a passion area for you. And it sounds like, from what I know about you, it would really align with your strengths. Could you imagine how great that would feel to know that you have job security and you're working towards something? Just think of the engagement you create as a leader when you create that for that person. Now, as I wind this episode down, I just want to say this again. Each of these have significant impacts on performance. And that performance results in then, like we're talking about profitability, we're talking about driving revenue, we're talking about all of the elements of business. Each one of those are going to impact how the process can look. And don't miss this. When you have a strong value system as part of your culture, when you have identified these cultural attributes and you are measuring and you're assessing and evaluating how you're doing, how you're performing against them, you're asking, are we doing this or are we just saying it? Your business will be more innovative. It's going to be quicker to respond to challenges when they when they arise, you're able to capitalize or even create opportunities. And most importantly, brand becomes more human. So that wraps up this, this particular training, this truth of culture has always been about performance. We talked about how the cultural attributes influence companies' performance. We put it to the test. We passed it through the filter. Hey, this is how we want to get work done around here. So we wrote it. I gave you examples of writing it these match up to that values guide. So I'd encourage you to go out there and grab it, do the work that's on it. And maybe even if you're a small business owner, pull in one of your people. And if that doesn't make sense, pull in somebody else who's, who uh, you trust. Uh, it could be another fellow small business owner, different industry. And you just say, what do you guys think? What are you seeing? And, and here's what we're seeing, but go through the exercise and, uh, I know that a large, large, large majority of you will listen to the podcast and and you go, you know, I'm not a small business owner. I'm a manager. Uh, I'm not a small business owner. Uh, I'm in sales. Can I, can I just encourage you or and maybe it is a challenge. Do this anyway. Do it anyway. Here, here's the, here's the questions I'm going to ask you when you download the guide here in, in uh, truth number five, when we say culture has always been about performance, 
the first question I'm going to ask you is what qualities have made you successful so far? Okay, so you, you do sales for a large company. Is that not a powerful question still? What qualities have made you successful so far? And then the follow-up question is, is what qualities do we need to continue being successful? Ask others. Ask others that are close to you. If you've got a good relationship with your manager, which I hope you do, like that's what this is all about. Ask them. Include them in it. Do you know how impressed I would be if one of, if one of my teammates came to me and they said to me, what qualities do you think have made me successful? What qualities will I need? Man, talk about like, that would be such a, a cool, <laughs> just a cool experience. It would really show that that person is bought in, they're engaged, that they, they want more. And you just got to understand one thing. When you ask questions like that, be ready to receive the truth. Prepare your mind. Be ready to receive the truth because the truth may not always be what you want to hear at first, but it's probably what you need to hear. And, and one of the things that I coach in feedback training, you know, cause we talk about how to give it, but we talk at length about how to receive it as well, is that the moment that you feel defensive when somebody's giving you like correction or criticism or saying, Hey, you need to do this better. The moment that you want to get defensive about that and you put your hands up and you say, Hey, I don't want to hear that. Or that's what you're doing inside, but you're putting on the game face on the outside. Just know that that's probably a strong indicator that you really really need to listen to what's being said. So it's a great place to end this time. I can't wait to have our next series. Uh, I, there's going to be a couple of interviews in here. You guys can kind of bounce around on the podcast. This is not a serial podcast in the sense that you need to listen from episode one in order through whatever episode. You can bounce around a little bit. There's going to be some fantastic interviews. You've got, I've got four or five people that uh, you are just going to be so excited to listen to what they have to say. Uh, different industries, different thinkers, different communicators, just different styles, but wow, amazing people. So anyway, I'm again, I'm, I'm humbled and grateful to have you along. I'm thankful for you guys, your partners in this. And uh, I just want to encourage you to keep leading through values. Okay. Catch you next time.